Welcome to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. This week, I am Dr. Ben Banner, again, and with me, as usual, is my co-host. I need to get, you know, cooler names again. I've just been, like, not creative lately, dude. <laughs> you, you started know? the name thing, too. Now I'm I know, going. I started the funny name thing, and now it's, like, Andrew every week. Boring. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's Andrew, everybody. Yes. What's going on? And we are going over another Hulk script. Yes, so... There's more... Yeah, there's there's more. There's been a lot about this. <laughs> it's going to be... So I thought the timing would be interesting on this. It's going to be the finale of She-Hulk on Disney+, Plus the week of this release. And I was in a Hulk mood anyway after, you know, we had a long discussion about the MCU Hulk in our She-Hulk episode and things we kind of wish they had, like, shown us on screen. So I thought it was appropriate. And also, you know, it's Halloween month. And this is a character very much inspired by horror characters, you know, Jekyll and Hyde, uh, the Frankenstein, uh, the, the makeup by Jack Pierce in the Frankenstein movie on Boris Karloff was kind of the inspiration on Hulk as well for the design. So it just seemed like it fit uh, for this month. We can't always have Sam Hamm every week, though I'd love that. But <laughs> yeah, our third guest replacing Zach, <laughs> Sam Hamm. <laughs> Sorry, I think even Zach would agree that would be yeah. a hell of an upgrade. That would be incredible, actually. <laughs> yeah. He's like, sure, I'll do it. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> he was, like, cool enough. If we got yeah. Ham and Waters... Uh, this is not a hint at anything, guys. I just, <laughs> no, no, no. We just, just thought of that. I thought of that off the cuff. <laughs> but that'd be really cool for one episode. Anyway. Uh, we're also a little overdue for saying this, but I wanted to do another shout-out to our research assistant, Dan, who hit his one-year anniversary at the end of August... And his first episode with us was our episode on the unmade Hulk script by Jonathan Hensley. So, oh, wow. happy anniversary to Dan. Make sure to comment that in the uh, comments below. But uh, we, we got decided... him a ring. Yeah, we got him. <laughs> we did, and we decided to go full circle by, uh, well, we're going to have you do the Hulk again. So, here we are. <laughs> so, it was shortly after that Jonathan Hensley Hulk episode that uh, we got a fan who sent us. His name is... Uh, Ape Man the Indestructible, and uh, Ape Man the Indestructible sent us this script that actually was written before the one that we last went over. So we're going back in time a wow. little bit. This is specifically June 14th, 1994, is the date on the script here. And 1997 was on the basically the date on the last one we went over. So that kind of gives you an idea. This is about three years before that script. Many years, almost close to 10 years before the actual Ang Lee, Eric Bana Hulk movie that this would turn into gets released. So we still have a very long gestation here. Was this with, that they had Lou Ferrigno in mind for this one or no? Uh, I don't think, yeah, not, not at this point because it's 1994. So Bill Bixby has already passed in 1993. And, uh, you know, Bixby and Ferrigno, like that's pretty much like a, that's a hand in hand thing. Okay. You know? So I think here it's pretty much like, all right, this is a Hulk movie, a new Hulk, a new Bruce Banner, that type of thing. So, and he actually is named Bruce Banner in this one, by the way. Oh, let go thank of the, God. <laughs> let go of the David Banner type of thing. So uh, the writer on this. Bruce <laughs> sounds a little gay. <laughs> Who gave that note? I don't know. It feels like uh, some, obviously some exec, it feels like. They're always uh, muddying things up. <laughs> the The writer on this was a man named John Terman. Uh, Terman is credited on the final film directed by Ang Lee in 2003. Um, 
I there's very little of this that's actually in the 2003 movie, by the way. So I'm just going to get this right out of the way. There are no Hulk dogs, Andrew. So you can you can rest Woo! assured <laughs> that's not part of this. Oh, God, <laughs> stupid ass Hulk dogs. <laughs> he, I think he mainly got the part of the final credit because he sort of developed a baseline of this is a Hulk origin story. Uh, there's going to be General Thunderbolt Ross. There's going to be Major Talbot. There's going to be Betty Ross. There's going to be those characters. And uh, that's pretty much the the baseline. And there's some hints about, in this current draft that I read at least, that uh, his father was abusive. But they we never see the father. The father's not a character. So they didn't go full Nick Nolte in this script okay. yet. That'll come later on. Uh, but the, the writing credits in the final movie go to John Turman, who wrote this draft. Michael France wrote a bunch of drafts, one of which is online. Maybe we'll go over that. And James Seamus, who I think is the, the final writer who produced the, the final draft for that movie. So this is kind of one of those early ones. It seems like this had just as long of a gestation as Batman 89. Uh, it's just not as uh, talked about on the show yet. So, uh... <laughs> or the Batman and Hulk podcast. <laughs> who knew? Maybe, yeah. Just like Bruce's on this podcast. You know? <laughs> just like Bruce's. Is his name Bruce? And uh, then we don't cover him. No, sometimes we'll... David. <laughs> but really, Bruce. <laughs> we, uh, I, I do have a Superman script I am currently gleaning through. It's just over 200 pages. Hint for those who might know what that is. Is that so... the Mario Puzo? <laughs> oh, so... man, did I just ruin it? Moving on. I'm not going to say anything. So <laughs> it's it, it's a long it's a lot to read. So it's, it'll be worth the wait though, because I've been looking forward to that one. But there's there's. I believe in Smallville. I believe I believe, I believe in, in Metropolis. One thing at a time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> believe in Smallville. <laughs> oh, Mr. Lupo, help me. I, I need that. We need some <laughs> Metropolis gangsters too, man. I guess man, I got inner, inner gang. gang. Yeah, inner, inner gang. Inner gang yeah. from Mario Puzo. That would be interesting. That'd be awesome, dude. Well, I'll have to take a look and see. But anyway, yeah, this is 1994, years before the Jonathan Hensley one that we went over. Uh, so a little bit about John Turman, because I, I hadn't really heard about this writer before we covered this, or I started reading this. Turman was a legit Hulk comic fan. and Awesome. He, which is great. I'm just like, all right, perfect. This is this is who should get the job, you know? Because uh, you never <laughs> they, know. He had no Hulk dogs. You see, a guy that knows what's happening, <laughs> what should happen with Hulk. So apparently he didn't, didn't even think he was going to get the job. He pitched himself to, you know, a room, including Stan Lee, and he was just like, you know what, you're probably never going to see me again. Could you please sign these? And he passed over Hulk comics to Stan Lee. So uh, naturally, I think... When I when I read through the script, I could see this being a script that Stanley was just like, this guy gets it. So like I think <laughs> I think it, it definitely comes through that Terman is a Hulk fan because it's it is more faithful to the Hulk origin than any of the live action adaptations in terms of what I read here. So uh, that's a pretty good good sign, even though it wasn't nice. made, but. Uh, it's it's pretty cool to sort of read this and be like, ah, oh, somebody finally does it this way. So we'll right. get into that in a bit. Um, Terman did get to contribute to the script of Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. I don't know how much I'm. That feels like a movie that had like twenty different writers on it. So like I don't people, know how much people take a big had. shit on those films from time to time, but mm-hmm. I remember kind of liking them, man. The Fantastic Four yeah. movies, they're all right. Like yeah. and I like the lines. Some of the lines that the Silver Surfer said were like really good. <laughs> yeah, you know. No, I mean, I, I think the Fantastic Four movies from back then are probably no worse than the 
you know, average MCU movie now, honestly. They're fine. They're totally yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. But uh, let's go into what is in the script and why do I think that it's so good. I personally think it's better than the Jonathan Hensley one that we went over last year. Uh, it is more true to the comics. There are more comic book characters in this one. And it definitely feels like they're working with a bigger budget at this point. And they might have carried it He was shooting down. for the moon, man. Yeah, it felt like Hensley was just like, you're limited to this, and uh, the only comic book character you can use is Hulk. <laughs> like, that's what it felt like to me. Okay. This one very much feels like, all right, let me just adapt the comics. Right. So uh, we, uh, we start with the classic image. Bruce Banner is on the run. The army has cornered him into an abandoned building, and they give him a 10-second countdown. He's getting more and more spastic, intense. He'll warn them that he can hurt them, and he's about to do something and transform. And then we, of course, flash back to two months ago beforehand in the Nevada te desert testing site where uh, he's just, you know, a simple scientist, and we kind of figure out, find out, like, what happened here. So just like in the comic, he is testing a gamma bomb for the military. This is not really done in the live-action adaptations. Everything from... The Bill Bixby show onwards kind of does the whole like, oh, he was working in the lab late one night and then you know, he, <laughs> he, got, <laughs> he had the eerie side of the gamma rays basically get basically hit him. So here it's like, no, it actually is the military. It's actually the desert base. He, okay. He's going all the way with this. Uh, Banner is also assisted by an electrical engineer. Uh, well, not him. Uh, <laughs> electrical <laughs> engineer named Edward Letter. Uh, Banner is clearly the smarter of the two men and even publicly corrects Letter in front of everyone, much to Letter's uh, dismay. More on that guy later. Uh, okay. Meanwhile, we do meet General Ross, who might be Harrison Ford now. We'll see, based off the rumors. But Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, current rumors, <laughs> not back in nineties, not, not back in the nineties. <laughs> I'm so, just like, I'm sure they can get him, but it's just like I know Harrison Ford. He just feel like he checked out like twenty five years ago, man. <laughs> like, you want sure, me for what? <laughs> yeah, there's a what are these Marvel movies again? Oh, there's a plane like a very, under me. It's a very different presence from William Hurt. I gotta say, I can, uh -huh, I mean, yeah. I can still see it, but I'm it's like, fine. That'd be, it's fine. That'd be cool. Get, yeah. It'd be cool uh, get for sure, and it's yeah. Disney. It's a Star Wars, the same fucking umbrella. I get it. Yeah. It's cool, but you know, it's just like <laughs> he's just so checked out, man. Where's my paycheck? Yeah, so, you ever hear the story uh, of him? Like a flying, he was flying. He flew over a plane, like a he was his plane flew over like an actual like commercial jet, and he. Mm -hmm like the black box or whatever it was, the recording was like, there's a plane down there. Like he, <laughs> like, dude, this guy should not be flying, man. Yeah. It's not like a Tom Cruise thing or just like, check out what I can do type of thing. It was literally just like, Oh, okay. Tom Cruise, I think seems to be like, can legit fly. He can but legit Harrison fly Ford, and he would do stuff. That'd be like, he would push it. He's actually is Maverick, you know? Yeah. That type yeah. Of but Ford probably could Ford's... fly better t 20 years ago. But <laughs> Back in his, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Not now. Actual Han Solo days, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, luckily, if he is uh, Secretary Ross in the Thunderbolts movie, then he's not going to have to do any of that type of stuff. But right. uh, this, is, this is General Ross, classic Thunderbolt Ross in the comics, and uh, he's involved just like in the comics. He has the news, however, that the government has pulled out the, uh, of the Gamma project and basically everything's all shut down and he's pissed off about it because he's always pissed off about stuff and he partially <laughs> blames Banner for this because 
he was too cautious. He feels like Banner's precautions caused too many delays in the project. So he's already pissed at Banner. And uh, at the same time, Letter, the guy we were talking about earlier, uh, is pissed enough to try to sell this gamma bomb weapon to enemy agents. We're talking about the 90s at this time. So uh, they're not very specific about you know who the enemy agents are, but uh, the agents, however, want a guarantee that this gamma bomb that Letter is selling is actually going to work. And so Letter decides that he's going to promise a way to demonstrate that the bomb will go off. Uh, so this is like a slightly different explanation from the comics of the bomb going off. Because in the comics, it's kind of just like, okay, we're just doing it to demonstrate it. Here, it's kind of set up that the, the bomb is not supposed to go through, but Letter is going to be responsible for setting it off anyway. That's kind of why he's in this, partially. Uh, so he tries to uh, sneak in photos of, you know, basically take illicit photos of the lab and the, and the, the work that Banner's been doing. But he ends up getting caught, and he has to uh, uh, basically attack his way out, and he ends up killing one of the doctors in the process, which, of course, starts this whole other investigation, which brings in a couple other characters. Uh, one of them is Major Talbot, who in the 2003 movie is Josh Lucas, uh, but uh, Talbot is a major character in the Hulk uh, stuff as well. So uh, Talbot is joining General Ross, and they basically say that somebody is spying on this Gamma project. And uh, Ross isn't too excited about this idea. He's not too excited about the CIA coming in and uh, or the FBI coming in to sort of investigate it. And the investigator who shows up is his daughter, Betty. So this is interesting, because Betty Ross is not a spy in the comics. But it makes sense that they wanted to streamline this, you know, and give her a different role. And it feels kind of a very, like, more modern 90s choice to be like, yeah, let's make her a bit of a badass, too, and turn her into, like, an FBI agent type of thing. Oh, modern so. 90s girl. Yeah. People so. used to say stuff like that. <laughs> she can look hot and punch you in the face. And at that time, yes. that was progressive. So uh, she <laughs> has a... still is. <laughs> yeah, she still, yeah, she still has a history with Banner from childhood and stuff, and... There's kind of this love triangle in the comics and in the script uh, with, you know, Talbot's kind of in love with her, but she's kind of got the hots for Bruce. Uh, and Bruce isn't really sure how to express himself. So, like, that's that's kind of the love triangle that's in here as well as in the Ang Lee Hulk movie. So uh, as people arrive to sort of dismantle Bruce's work, Letter decides to detonate the bomb in the desert. Uh, Bruce, however, notices that in the middle of the desert is this kid rick jones in the area now oh, rick jones man. is uh kind of the jimmy olsen of the whole comics who has never made it into the live action adaptations but he's the whole reason why banner becomes hulk in the comics uh it is specifically him trying to rescue this kid in the area that leads him to be in the gamma rays in the first place in the comics so it's an act of heroism that ironically turns banner into a monster in the comics and they just never really did that in the other adaptations, not even in the MCU. Rick Jones has not shown up at all in the MCU, uh, which goes back to our point from the, the She-Hulk episode that maybe they just don't know what to do with Hulk. Yeah, or maybe they, never have. But they, anyway. they really do. Like the one, <laughs> the one main character, like they got Hawkeye right, I, I assume. I never read a whole lot of Hawkeye, but like they got like everybody right. And Hulk, uh, very like pretty right, but like the least right. Right. right, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. It just it feels like they've shortchanged him, and they continue to shortchange him. And uh, we 
We covered it plenty in the She-Hulk episode. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah go listen is... to that one. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the, the, the origin here, I'm just like, you could have at least had this character in at some point. So I think they were trying, there's an Easter egg in the 2008 Incredible Hulk movie where, like, Rick Jones's name is listed, but we still have never met Rick Jones. So maybe when they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel, they'll end up introducing Jones at some point during this. But um, just like in the comics, Bruce goes out to try to save Rick, and he realizes that the bomb is about to go off. He contacts Letter to tell him to shut it off, but of course he doesn't know that Letter is the one who's trying to set it off. He's the one behind it. And Letter just figures that uh, if he kills Bruce in the process, no big deal, because he's gonna, you know, he's basically screwing over this project anyway in order to sell it to the enemy. Uh, so Banner finds a bunker shielded by lead. He tosses the kid in there, and he it is too late for him to go in himself. So the bomb goes off, and Bruce Banner is hit with the gamma radiation. This mm-hmm. is the most faithful representation of the origin I've read for a live-action film, because like it's literally the comic, as we can see here. It's the gamma bomb, it's Rick Jones, it's the desert, all that stuff. Uh, so that's pretty faithfully brought in here. Uh, meanwhile, at the same time, our villain, Letter, attempts to steal canisters and grabs an extra one to be greedy of the gamma radiation. However, the canisters end up having a bad reaction, and he's hit with gamma radiation himself. Uh, so uh, more on that in a bit. But yeah, Letter is also hit by stuff. So now you've got two guys out of commission and a gamma bomb that went off that was not supposed to go off. Obviously, Thunderbolt Ross is pissed, as usual. Uh, <laughs> Gosh, darn it. (laughs) Banner is found by uh, the base doctor and psychiatrist, Doc Samson. Um, (laughs) This is Doc Samson shirtless. He clearly is not working right now, but (laughs) this is the image we could find of Doc Samson. Uh, But uh, (laughs) Letter, uh, it looks like Letter is suffering from radiation poisoning, but Bruce mysteriously is not. He seems fine, even though he was right in the middle of the bomb, so it seems like this weird miracle. However, uh, Letter wakes up and says that Banner was the one who attacked him and set the bomb off and is, like, clearly trying to, uh, you know, sabotage this whole operation. So uh, this is interesting here. Doc Samson, for those who don't know, by the way, uh, was Ty Burrell in the Incredible Hulk movie uh, before he went into Modern Family. And his character pretty much is sort of set up as the love interest for Betty Ross on that. But... Uh, there's a little bit more of a subplot that was cut in that movie where he kind of helps sell out Bruce's location to uh, General Ross and all that. So uh, they never put him in the big Doc Samson stuff, but uh, I think they were trying to set Doc Samson up in that movie, in the 2008 version. So anyway, uh, moving forward, Doc Samson is basically amazed that these guys survived all the radiation stuff, and the only person they can find who might know stuff is Rick Jones himself. Uh, so Rick Jones is interrogated by General Ross, and uh, basically people are suspecting that Bruce Banner is an enemy against the state for selling the gamma bomb secrets and stuff. Uh, and this image we have here is from the late Tim Sale, actually, in the retelling Hulk Gray. So uh, oh, I cool. thought I didn't know cool Tim to... Sale did Hulk. Yeah, the, yeah. So Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale, they not only collaborated on the Batman stuff, but they also collaborated on the Marvel stuff, which I personally. Um, really enjoy and maybe even enjoy better. Uh, the Spider-Man Blue is a retelling of Spider-Man and Gwen Stacy. I've Daredevil heard that's Yellow. one of the best. First Sp- Spider-Man Blue is one of the best Spider-Man's comics ever. Yeah, I love Daredevil Yellow. Like that one okay. is my. That one's probably my favorite out of the three because it's like the colors trilogy of Marvel. So it's yeah, yeah. Know, Hulk Gray, 
Spider-Man Blue, Daredevil Yellow. And I think maybe the Spider-Man and Daredevil ones are more poignant because uh, it's sort of framed like uh, it's it's kind of set during a time where uh, so they're writing to someone who is dead or believed to be dead. You know, in the case of Spider-Man Blue, it's about him and Gwen Stacy, and we know how that ends. So, like, there's, okay. a, there's a very emotional component to it uh, that uh, isn't... I don't know. I don't feel like it's quite there in the Hulk Gray one, but it's still good. It's still a good retelling of it, but it, it doesn't quite match the others, in my opinion. Real quick, what is your favorite Hulk run ever? Go, Ben. I don't think I've read enough Hulk in order to... to, to... I haven't either, honestly. <laughs> I, <you> know... <laughs> this is when the audience checks out. Uh, no. Hey, we're just reporting on... The one thing. This is the script. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We're not Hulk experts here. You're the Batman expert. We're just. We gave you Sam Ham last week. <laughs> you know, come on, man. Yeah, so, let cut us, us a, know. But cut I, us a break, internet. There's been a lot of suggestions to check out Immortal Hulk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we definitely want to check that out. I do want to check out Peter David's run, especially because of how good Peter David's. Uh, you know, to me, Peter David is the guy who wrote the Batman Forever novelization. So, like, clearly, friend of the show. I need. I'm yes. sure his run is wonderful. It is. Yeah, that's what I've heard. So uh, definitely <laughs> check that out. Oh but, God. Anyway, Bruce Banner, suspected enemy of the state, uh, as well as Rick Jones, and Bruce puts together that well, letter must have betrayed me. Because he's the only other person who could have set this thing off. And he realizes that he's been betrayed. And that's what creates the first Hulk out in front of Rick. And that's when he ends up basically helping both of them break out of this military base. Uh, what's also cool is that it specifies that Hulk is gray during this point. He's not gray during the whole movie. It's just in this specific one because it's night and stuff. He looks grayish. So it stays true to how, for those who, know, who don't know, Hulk, first when he first appeared was gray. He was not green. Um, it's and I his think larval stage. Yeah. Yeah. So it's part of it. And I think they've like reconned that in the comics to be like a different type of Hulk, you know? Uh, but I think overall it was originally just like, Oh, like it monsters. If, especially if you're hearkening back to the black and white universal horror monsters with like the Frankenstein uh, one, like it's, it's pretty much it's black and white. So he, he looks grayish. He doesn't look green because you don't see yeah. green. That's point. cool. That's a great touch. You know, this is written as we can tell already. This is this guy loves this shit. Yeah. You know, this is great. It's yeah. cool. Uh, so the entire base feels the effects of the Hulk's destruction as the Hulk escapes. General Ross himself sees the Hulk. People don't know what the hell just happened. They just know that somehow Banner and Rick Jones are missing. And the one guy who sees this and sees this in awe is, of course, our villain Letter, who sees this and calls it, quote unquote, incredible. So, uh, they just had to throw that in there, of course, but it kind of makes sense in here <laughs> hey, that they, you know, that's it, cool. works. I'm, it works. I'm down for it. I, yeah. I like that kind of shit. I hope they do uncanny and X-Men. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's a much less said word than incredible is. Yeah, they'll have to find, they'll find some way. They got Ama it. Amazing and Spider-Man, all that <laughs> shit. Yeah. Like amazing is easy. Incredible for this one. Uncanny. The, they got to figure that out. If that's they don't, a, that's they a throw tough that one. into. They might throw that into Deadpool three. That's <laughs> easy though, because that's all really, like super farce. Yeah. Deadpool might call it that. Wolverine's like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" I'm telling you, we're gonna see a fight scene with like they both have like half a limb, 
Like, we're going to see an insane fight scene with the healing factor. I'm picturing just, like, the most insane hallway scene with limbs flying and, like, blood <laughs> all over the walls. And, like, they're just kind of, like, hobble their way out of it yeah. as they're, like, oh, gradually regenerating. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. So... <laughs> For those who aren't part of our Patreon, yes, we're big fans of the idea of Jackman coming back as Logan in uh, Deadpool 3. So I, I hope he just shoots Rocket Raccoon right in the fucking face or something. <laughs> just to piss people off. But it's another universe kind of thing or something. Guess I what? We're not in continuity as he yeah, shoots yeah, yeah, Rocket's yeah. head off. This one, this one didn't matter. This wasn't, this wasn't the one you love. See, that would be cool. Uh, you know, make him like kind of play up the anti-hero, the anti yeah. and the anti-hero a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyway, back to Hulk. Back to Hulk. So uh, Bruce has hulked out, and then he goes back to being Bruce. Doesn't quite quite remember what happened. He wakes up miles away with Rick Jones telling him, you know, we got to get out of here. The military's on our ass. Uh, well, we're in Nevada anyway, so let's go to Vegas. So, yes, guys, we're going to see the Hulk in Vegas in this in this script. Great idea. So, uh, yeah, I know, right? I was just like, oh, this is kind of awesome. So, uh, <laughs> naturally, they go to Vegas, and uh, this is what's kind of weird. So, he does know Rick Jones, who's supposed to be like 16 or something, uh, knows this, uh, this uh, female performer there named Marlo. Uh, so, he's like, let's go see her. And she's basically a showgirl at this one bar. And uh, they go see her perform, and a bunch of rowdy drunk dudes start, like, catcalling her and stuff. And Bruce and Rick try to stand up for her. And, of course, Bruce Banner gets punched in the stomach during this. And they try to get the bouncer, who's, like, friends with them, to kick both of them out. And naturally, since Bruce is angry, he hulks out. And now we get the Hulk in Vegas. Thanks, Dan, for this image. (laughs) So... um, so we now see the Hulk tossing drunk men around like ragdolls, and he ends up picking up Marlo, the girl who's performing, and it's kind of like a King Kong type of thing, of like, you know, the, yeah. being the beast type of thing, except he's not like in love with her in this one. I think it's it's implied that he's kind of like looking at her face, and when he sees that it's not Betty, Betty Ross, he puts her back down. So like that's oh. kind of implied in there. Um, he's like, you're not who I want. Um, so he basically takes out the rest of the drunk dudes, transforms back into Banner, and uh, Rick volunteers basically himself and Bruce crashing at this girl's place so that they can hide out because for sure the military is going to hear about this, and they do, as General Ross and Major Talbot arrive to learn that, you know, the Hulk and Rick Jones were spotted there. Still don't know about that Bruce guy, but they at least heard something's happening, and, and they don't know quite what to make about all these reports about this Hulk figure. So, uh, meanwhile, when we get to Letter, Letter is writing out He's now being struck by all these different ideas. He wasn't super smart before, but he's been hit with all these ideas and formulas, and he's starting to write them down on a board, like Beautiful Mind style, except he's writing so much that his fingers are getting raw from all the writing, and he's getting these intense headaches because his head is growing. And for those who might not... If you haven't figured it out already, because his name is fucking Letter, this guy's going to be the leader. So... Uh, I don't know why Terman decided to call him Edward Letter, because in the comics, his name is Samuel Stearns. It's almost as if they, like, people brought up how, like, oh, it's kind of weird that, who didn't know about the comic retcon, that Edward Nygma became Edward Nashton in the Batman, and they didn't know that, uh, you know, Nygma had been kind of retconned to be a false alias of Nashton's. It's almost like they went reverse 
it's almost just like, oh, they went with something that the comics is already not related to the name leader. And they're just like, nah, make it more on the nose. Right. <laughs> like, right, right, so, right. Um, but yeah, that's that's our villain for this. And he's also going to be the villain for Captain America New World Order. So, which is going to be interesting because I never thought that we would end up seeing that character come back in a Captain America movie. Right. But uh, that's who we got for the villain. Uh, I'm hoping that he does get some sort of showdown with Mark Ruffalo at some point because he's a Hulk villain, you know, uh, or at least She-Hulk in the series. You know, if they do reveal <laughs> finally in the finale that we do have a villain in this TV I, show. You know, I'd love a villain. I'd love a villain. I love. I'd love a villain in this show. You know, I don't. You know, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna like. I mean, hating on She-Hulk is so <laughs> passe at this point. Right. Like I and I don't hate it, but it's just you know would have been nice to have had a villain. Right. <laughs> that's all. That, that's all. But yes. you know what? If they want to like experiment and do like their own thing and try to appease a kind of a slightly different demographic. My, if I put my producer hat on, I kind of get it. But if I take that hat off, I want a villain. You still need an antagonist, whether you're in a comedy <laughs> or in a, in a superhero thing or a legal show. I'm just like, you hey, still man, need a villain. Says you, who's all about rules and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to just point to the reception of the show to see how those <laughs> what happens when you don't follow certain rules. <laughs> They're expanding the demographic, man. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm well, not going to try to defend the show, man. <laughs> well, hopefully, maybe it'll be the leader who's behind whatever the fuck's going on in, in She-Hulk, but clearly they need to introduce a villain. Um, yeah, but yeah, this yeah. leader was going to be the villain for this script, and they played around with having leader come back and forth as, as villain for the 2003 one as well as the 2008 one, and they set up the leader to be in a future movie with Tim Blake Nelson's character uh, getting hit with the sort of gamma formula into the wound in his head, causing his forehead to expand in that one scene in the 2008 MCU movie. So I'm glad that they're bringing him back. I kind of wish it would be in a Hulk thing rather than a random Captain America thing, but we don't know the full plan at this point. So uh, now that we have a villain, unlike She-Hulk, we will... Uh, <laughs> Just dunk on her. We'll just, uh, uh, we'll take a quick break and come back to find out what happens with Hulk versus the leader. Just wanted to announce that I have a new podcast called Gaming Gaiden. It's about retro gaming. It's a lot about Japanese to English translation in this first season. It will be 10 episodes each season. First season will be dropping soon, much sooner than I'm on a recon. The co-host for this one will be Mike Torres. If you saw the ranking, every Superman video game two-parter we did here on Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you have seen Mike before. So yes, if you like video games, if you've been interested in Japanese ever, we're going to be talking a lot about just Japan in general, Japanese cultural differences as well, and we also are going to have a lot of talk about 90s video game magazines such as Electronic Gaming Monthly, aka EGM, so stay tuned for that. So please be on the lookout for Gaming Gaiden Podcast coming soon. Ellen, in 15 seconds, what is Nice Games Club? It's our game dev podcast. Steven, help! Game mechanics, accessibility, art and animation, level design, prototyping. Everything that goes into making video games. How's that, Mark? Nice. 
Listen to Nice Games Club wherever you get your podcasts or at nicegames.club. Need some adventure in your life? What Mad Universe is a podcast where two guys delve into the history of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, and the impact it's had on pop culture. Everything's the same politically, but we have ray guns. The the actual motive isn't to explore something that's, quote, yeah. scientifically possible. Or... But neither is Star Wars, and I know there's arguments about that, but I would definitely consider Star Wars science fiction. You haven't it's... read Dune! You have, no, I haven't. You can never be the Kwisatz Haderach. What Mad Universe on the HyperX Podcast Network. What's that? majestically cresting the horizon as it makes its way into port. Why, it's the brand new HyperX Armada monitors, mounts, and arms. Both the HyperX Armada 25 and 27 gaming monitors come bundled with a sturdy HyperX Armada mount and arm. If you need every split second of advantage when gaming, the Full HD Armada 25 and its 240Hz refresh rate are for you. If you like to soak in the graphical majesty of your gaming, you'll be eyeing the Quad HD Armada 27 with an 165Hz refresh rate. Set sail for HyperX.com or Amazon.com to start making your display armada. We're here to announce a special deal for all of our Superhero Stuff You Should Know listeners. If you had your eye on any of the pink variants of HyperX gear, you can save 15% off during the month of October by using the code HXPN over at HyperX.com. Get yourself an elegant white and pink Cloud 2 or a metallic pink Alloy Origin 60 or any of the other pink peripherals on the site. Once again, head over to HyperX.com and get 15% off all pink gaming products with the code, all caps, HXPN. And we're back, and we're here to talk about the villain, the leader. So The villain. We got one. We got one. So uh, Letter takes control of the Gamma Lab and meets up again with the enemy agents, and now he tells them what to do because the situation has changed. He knows how to run this lab. He knows what to do with everything. He knows how to, to you know operate the Gamma Bomb even more. And he asks, of course, for them to call him Leader. Uh, so that's what's going on there. Back in Vegas, Bruce and Rick decide to go to a, a nearby university lab as, you know, the army is trying to find them. At one point, we do get some information from Betty Ross herself that Bruce's father, uh, Brian Banner, was an alcoholic and killed Bruce's mom when Bruce was eight. I mean, Bruce what? was nine. Yeah, that is in both the Peter David comic as well as in the 2003 Hulk movie. Uh, but they it's didn't... in there. It's in there, huh? Okay, it's, I, forgot, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, it is. Uh, well, the Hulk dogs were too distracting. I just couldn't remember <laughs> from the fucking. Hulk. I saw that shit in the theater, and I was just like, <laughs> like everybody else in the world, I was like, eh, you know, <laughs> like. By I want to. I want to revisit it because I think when I went into it, when I basically was halfway through the movie, I get. I don't know. This was a mature decision for someone who was like fourteen or something at the time. But you're here to see Hulk smash. And I realized this movie was not going to be Hulk smash. This movie was like what it takes to like what leads into someone becoming the Hulk, what leads into that like repressed anger and stuff. And I think I appreciate yeah. it from that standpoint. Uh, but I, I, don't I mean, think you're ready for that in 2003. You know, so I, the thing is, I was in film school, dude, my yeah. second year of it. And maybe maybe the end of my first year. 
And like, I remember my film professor being like, it's going to be, it's Ang Lee. And he's, he was, he was, he was excited about it. He was like, (laughs) it's going to be about, uh, the cost of, uh, anger and what it does to people around you and stuff like that. And maybe they hit on, they did that a little bit, but then we had the Hulk dogs and it fucking ruined everything. (laughs) But, but I do think I would, maybe I'd like to see it again as well, because that, uh, Maybe there were some like deeper elements that Marvel never really touched on. I'd like to I'd like to see that as well. Like, we sure definitely never, could do yeah, that. They for sure never covered the whole abusive father thing with the uh, with the MCU version. That's never really been stated. Uh, They're even having stated. too much fun. Too much fun too over much there, fun. Disney. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, what about this backstory? Cut it. Yeah, yeah. But it kind of explains about the whole Hulk. They cut it. Tony's so. a raging alcoholic in some runs too, man. Yeah, that too. So there's a famous run called "Demon in a Bottle." I think I was amazed reading it because I I was expecting, I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting so much of it being about the alcoholism. I knew that was going to be a factor, but I thought it was like he's battling alcoholism and fighting the Mandarin. I'm like, oh oh no, he's just fighting alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, baby. Yeah, I'm like, oh, wow. He, okay. he looks at the suit once and then look at the whole run and then looks back at the Jack Daniels. Yeah, so that was a surprise. But, yeah, uh, it's Brian Banner in the comics and then I think in the Ang Lee movie they decided to give a shout-out to the 70s show, uh, 70s and 80s show, and name him David Banner to be the hey, father. That's a good That's a good choice. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so... They, they expanded more on that. But the most that Terman could put into here is this little uh, tidbit from Betty Ross. Apparently, uh, supposedly, he had wanted to give a bigger role to the father, and they just couldn't make it work. Clearly, I think the later drafts ended up making that happen to the point where that guy was just full on the absorbing man, or also known on the internet as the absorbing dad uh, from Nick Nolte's character. But uh, uh, it was an interesting choice. Uh, again, I got to rewatch it and stuff but uh let us know comment below actually if uh, i know there were a few the last time we covered the whole script a lot of people said like they actually really liked the 2003 one so like let us know what your preference is the eric banna one or the edward norton one uh on that and i have a feeling a lot of our audience might uh, actually lean more towards the 2003 one but i might be wrong let us know I'm sure there were good parts other than the Hulk dogs. I just, I can't remember. <laughs> so much more to this movie. <laughs> I can't remember much other than that, really. Like To me, I, it's, it's mostly, the, it's the story of the father and the son that made that movie for me. Gotta, back when I, I gotta, first saw it. I don't even remember that, dude. <laughs> God. Man, they really fucked it over with the Hulk dogs. I just, it just really, like. <laughs> it was 90% gold, 10% dog. Only yeah, only thing I was, only thing that sticks in my mind from that movie and like the general way the Hulk looks and Jennifer Connelly's in it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah, it's right. it's that, and I mean Sam Elliott's perfect casting too for Thunderbolt Ross. He's in I, that I felt movie. That. Yeah, he's he's Ross. I gotta now. see it again. He's a better. He's the he's hands down the best choice for for Ross. William Hurt did decent, but like, Sam Elliott's a whole different presence, you know. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, so, his his voice is the presence. If they ever do the presence in DC, it should be mm. Sam Elliott's voice. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh, actually. man. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so Banner goes in, into the laboratory and examines his blood, and he realizes that he's kind of... Um, there's something interesting. His, his blood is normal, <clears throat> but Rick inspires him to sort of test it under adrenaline. 
So uh, he basically tests his blood after he's kind of given himself the adrenaline, and he sees that the blood sort of grows out of the slide uh, even, so it breaks the slide. And uh, he kind of sees it that he's kind of become a battery, and it's taking him less and less, takes less and less, uh, I guess, anger for him to change into the Hulk. He's becoming more and more to the point where uh, he states that if he's not able to find a cure, Banner will be erased forever. He will always be the Hulk, which is an interesting idea. We haven't really thought about that that angle before. Usually it's just like, oh, this is just something I got to live with. It's not like, oh, like one side has to win between the two of us. But that's kind of what's in this take because they're right. going to play a lot more with that. Well, I mean, uh, if he's if there's no other heroes in the world and yeah. like he's truly alone and it's like new science and it's breakthrough shit and it's body horror it's almost like i mean in some ways similar to, to, to the fly almost but he just turns into the hulk instead of a fly yeah yeah i mean that's what i thought was cool about the hensley one the jonathan hensley one that went over last year where it's just like it's body horror it's the fly but it's the hulk instead of the fly which is still a better situation than the fly but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it, it's still a cool take. It's it's harkening back to the the horror movie roots to the Hulk. Uh, so campus police show up to try to uh, bring in Bruce because you know clearly these are wanted fugitives and stuff, and uh, you know obviously they create stress for Bruce. So mid transformation, uh, he becomes the Hulk, scares off the cops, and uh, Rick tries to calm him down, but Hulk leaves, and whenever the Hulk shows up. The military arrives, so we got General Ross, we got Talbot, and we've got Betty along for the ride. And Betty uh, ends up confronting the Hulk, points a gun at him, but Hulk sort of heads towards her, and there's something about Hulk that she recognizes about him. And, uh, you know, she kind of has this tender moment because she might recognize him uh, or start to recognize him as Bruce. Uh, by the way, I'm pretty sure this is done by Dan. Dan pretty much, I think Dan did this image. Didn't just find Dan it. Dan drew this it. shit? I think he did. Uh, Dan wow. will clarify that with us, but I, I wow. think that's true because we even got the gun here and stuff. So uh, <laughs> you went above and beyond, man. <laughs> How much are we paying you again? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm just like I need an image of of Betty confronting Hulk. If she's got a gun, that's cool too. But she doesn't have to. He's like, let me draw this for you <laughs> and yeah. have a legit image that looks like it's from an animated series. Um, I'm starting to think Americans are lazy. <laughs> So, Dan's the real star of this. I just read a script. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh man. So, uh, wow. anyway, we are not worthy. Uh, but thanks, yeah. Dan, for this. Um, uh, Talbot tells his men to open fire on Hulk, and the bullets just bounce off of Hulk, and uh, Hulk leaves. Uh, meanwhile, we see the rise of the leader. The leader is dominating. Uh, the Gamma Lab, and seems to have some kind of persuasive ability over other people who obey him without question. Again, does the script say thing. he has a big ass forehead like this? <laughs> it, it does. It, it it went in a different direction. Okay. <laughs> Basically, describe that he like looks a little bit more emaciated due to the okay. gamma radiation, and almost looks translucent in the skin, and sometimes greenish. That would be <laughs> cool. That's cool. yeah. They went with that direction. They didn't go with the. Uh, He's just got a giant green forehead. <laughs> Big ass forehead. You know what? Uh, then again, though, to be comic ac- accurate, even if it's goofy, kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of appreciate it. You know what I, I know, mean? I know. But this is always appreciate it. I know <laughs> yeah, they would, they would never do it. Also, like in this version of the script, he is supposed to like legitimately be running this lab. So it'd be kind of weird if everybody was just like, yeah, that guy with the huge ass green forehead 
Yeah, he's the one running this. Nobody's asked him what's going on with that. I don't know like, if I'd so make him green, has to pass too, like green on green villain. Like, I don't know, man. Maybe make him I think gray. it's different. I, I'm i okay with it in this case because of the fact that, like, he is the brains type of villain. He's not. Like, it's different when it was. I get the reason why they didn't do the traditional abomination design in the 2008 Incredible Hulk because they wanted, I think Louis Leterrier said this, the director of that said that he wanted to make sure that you knew which one was which because yeah. it's like a Transformers movie at that point. It's, it's two green monster things fighting each other. If you don't do that correctly, it's just like, I, I don't know which one is which at that point. Okay. But when it's the leader and he's just a dude with like, he does the brain stuff and he's just otherwise just an average looking dude. I'm like, eh, like, that's fine with me because you can still tell him apart, you know? The green's just for the gamma radiation. Abomination, I let it slide a little bit more, though I'm glad that they made him more, look more traditional in uh, Shang-Chi and, and She-Hulk. But He still. looks better now, yeah, I think he, so. Yeah, he looks a lot better now. It's a, shame that they, it's a shame that he didn't really get to do much so far, I guess, as Abomination. We'll see by the time this gets out. But. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> I already ranted about the off-screen redemption of Abomination, but check out the She-Hulk episode for that rant. But anyway, um, <clears throat> essentially, leader the leader has taken over the lab, uh, while at the meantime, Bruce is trying to find a safe place. They try to go back to the showgirl's place, Marlo's place, but <clears throat> she has she has a <laughs> she has a mobster boyfriend type guy. <laughs> This was kind of a bit of a Sopranos and shit. (laughs) James Gandolfini shows up. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Joe Pesci, dude. That would have been awesome. Actually, what the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. (laughs) Man, it's a shame he retired from acting. Man, well, he keeps coming back for Scorsese, but yeah. Oh, and he's coming back to work with Pete Davidson. (laughs) Also, what is going on with Pete Davidson? Davidson just has. At first, we just thought it was a giant dick when it came to him dating all those girls. But now, now he's got Joe Pesci out of retirement. So clearly, there's something else. Joe Pesci the... saw that cock and was like, yes. Or Pete Davidson is the leader. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. It, that he could guy, be the leader. He's, he's got something. He's got... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Like, yeah. he's like, I'll never... I, if he brings Joe Pesci out from acting... Yeah. retirement like yeah. uh, anyway that's just crazy he's the leader so anyway, yeah yeah, uh, yeah yeah there's also a funny part where there's a news report that says uh here's what it describes on the news report a drawing of the hulk john terman says quote a really crappy overmuscled artist rendering of the hulk by rob liefeld or one of the guys at image it says that in the script <laughs> that's what it says in the script i shit you not holy fuck <laughs> Talk he about dunked shade. on Liefeld in the script. <laughs> yeah, in the script in '94. This is if, if you need any more proof that Terman's a comic book guy, that's proof. Because like people know Liefeld now. If you're just on Twitter, you know comics Twitter. But like in '94, there was no comics Twitter. Like you had to have been a hardcore comic book guy to know that name. You know, yeah, that's, like, that's true. That's it's true. different. It's different from like even like knowing Stan Lee. It might have taken a while for people to be like. Oh, he's like this shitty all the time. <laughs> like I thought it was just like once or twice. Yeah, I just thought it was that that, cam- that Captain America image. He invented Deadpool though, right? Yeah, yeah. Liefeld. Yeah. So he did something right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, uh, Liefeld. Captain but... America chest man. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the most egregious. Why have they not recreated that? <laughs> no, but yeah. Yeah. This is 
this is the Liefeld Hulk that's supposed to be on the TV report. But uh, anyway, uh, during this time, uh, Banner is being held hostage by Joe Pesci in the uh, in the apartment. Uh, and because of the fact that uh, you know his girlfriend was the showgirl from that night where that happened, the army and the police are going around asking for more information. More information. And uh, that's when Banner hears Betty's voice outside and he realizes that she's out there and the criminals are pretty much keeping him hostage. So, of course, he's angry and he turns again into uh, the Hulk and Betty spots him sort of mid-transformation and sort of starts putting two, to two, two and two together. Uh, meanwhile, in Vegas, someone says, look, up in the sky. And the other says, a goddamn flying green gorilla. So the Hulk <laughs> is leaping around the strip. <laughs> In Vegas, again, clearly they have more of a budget at this point than they did with the Hensley script. Uh, but, yeah, the Hulk is just drum, jumping around. Um, he ends up, like, just hanging out on top of a roof where uh, he's surrounded by birds. So here's where we see, like, the soft the soft side of the monster type of thing. It's kind of like in the original Frankenstein with Karloff where the monster's, like, you know, playing with the flowers, like that type of moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is cool. It's cool to add that bit in to, to see the soft side of him. But uh, he sort of hangs out there before the army finds him again. And then he transforms back into Banner on foot, which brings us back to the opening where Banner was running around on the run from the army. Uh, there is a lot of Hulk outs in the script, if you haven't noticed already. Like, there's just a lot of, like, back and forth. Like, he's Banner, then he's Hulk. He's Banner, then he's Hulk. That's but, what I we mean, want. That's what I want. Yeah, that, and I like that's. It's weird to read it at first because I think the reason why is. So much of the live-action adaptation has been Banner trying not to transform, which creates a dramatic problem because most of the time he's trying not to do what you paid, you know, $20, 20 to $30 in the seat to watch him do. Like, you're I, here to see him Hulk out, and he's I trying not it. to do that. It's tough, though, because if it's about, I mean, anger, right? And if yeah. you're going to do any kind of deep, deeper angle with the Hulk... Mm -hmm. It's like, like I was thinking, like instead of the Hulk dogs, what would be a first good like Hulk encounter? And it would be Hulk almost killing somebody he loves or something. It'd be like Hulk, quote unquote, versus a regular human or something like a standby. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, it's like a close call, of course. But like, I think if, you know, if you play with that angle and like, like it should be about like coming to terms if you... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, it, you know, it should be about coming to terms with anger and learning how to manage it. And then by the mm -hmm. end, maybe the character arc is like, he can manage it a little bit better. But then again, like, do you want even by the end of the first movie for him to be able to kind of control it? Like, it seems to be a little bit fast. Who knows? I you think know? that, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of a problem where we run into with the origin when it's an origin movie he, he obviously is not in a place where he can do the whole that's my secret captain i'm always angry type of thing he's like he's just not going to be in that place that was like the first, the first that was like strike one right like it was a great movie i love avengers one mm -hmm. but like that was like whenever we could see the turn with like hulk like not being treated a hundred percent well maybe like maybe, I'm, al I mean, I'm always angry kind of thing <clears throat> To me, to me, it wasn't really until Ragnarok because I think the, the stuff beforehand was fine. Like I don't think I was really. Uh, I, I think that aspect with the whole "I'm always angry" was supposed to like. 
it, it makes logistical sense for Avengers because he's gonna need to be able to transform in order to like help out the Avengers. Like, I think also the inner lo- internal logic of that was like it, if he if he could somehow turn himself into Hulk, he had a little bit more control. Yeah. Whereas if it was another stimulus, it was a lot less control. But it's never really explained in the movie. It doesn't need to be, I guess, but. It's just I like, think it's, well, it's supposed to. It's going off of the uh, the ending of the 2008 movie. It's going off, kind of going springboarding off of that, where he's okay. like he opens his eyes and he's got the green eyes, where it's sort of implied that he can sort of control his transformations now. Was that in 2008? Yeah. Did that come out in theater? Mm-hmm. In the theaters? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I was the living Edward in Norton J- one. I was living in Japan at this time. I don't know what was in theaters or not. Like I saw that movie on DVD. <laughs> So, uh, it was I mean, cool. I know the MCU liked... had modest beginnings, but they, they, uh, it would have been interesting if they did start with a directed DVD thing, but that's, that's not what happened. Okay. Like, I don't, I don't know. That was a, it was a weird time for me. Uh, Got it. but, uh, yeah. All right. Also, Bruce in some sense could control when he thinks he's about to become angry. Maybe like if I walk into this room, I know I'm going to get angry so maybe and i want to turn into the hulk so maybe mm-hmm. i'll just go into that room tell everybody else to leave that i don't want to fuck up and that way he has some control over the hulk by the end of the first movie i don't know i'm just trying to mm-hmm. work it out in my head gotcha yeah no he he has some control over it by the end of 2008 maybe because of the stuff that dr stearns does to him in the in the movie but um, he does at the end of that, and so that's kind of what leads into the Avengers, um, him being able to control it in the Avengers. That's kind okay. of how I saw it. Uh, okay. But here, where we've got a banner who still isn't really able to control himself, and he's you know he's still in the origin phase. It's been like maybe he's been Hulk for like two days. <laughs> like he's still trying oh, to figure yeah. this shit out. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so the leader shows up, and you know, leader is smart because look at that big head, uh, and he realizes. <laughs> He also kind of does the uh, Jack Nicholson Joker thing. It's implied that he puts on flesh tone makeup over the oh, uh, wow. the green so that it's 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 covered up, which makes a lot of sense because he's trying to fit in right now. He's not full on like I'm the leader. You just got to put up with me and my my goatee and my green skin. Right. Uh, but yeah, he shows up. He already has figured out that Hulk is Banner. He's the one who gives the 10 second countdown to Banner in the opening. And Banner turns into Hulk, but Leader is prepared because he has created. Hulk dogs. No, he has not created Hulk dogs. Sorry, uh, he's created. You scared me, dude. Cyber soldiers. Oh, this is these. This is better. Yeah. So this these are four prototypes of cybernetic armor for like soldiers inside. Letter calls them patriotic volunteers who are inside. So it's kind of like it's like a RoboCop type of thing, where it's just like there's a man inside of the each one, um, or even an Iron Man type of thing. I guess this is a more appropriate one because this is Marvel. Uh, but they end up fighting the Hulk. Uh, and the leader sort of uses this as opportunity to study uh, the Hulk, and uh, Hulk pretty much takes out a lot of these guys, but the leader shoots him with, like, a goo-type thing that gets, like, stronger the more he resists uh, and is able to sort of subdue him that way. Uh, And before uh, Hulk collapses, he says the name Betty. So Hulk does talk in this one. He doesn't talk a lot. He's not like Professor Hulk-type stuff in the MCU, but uh, he does like (laughs) does say Professor Hulk. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't mind if it's like uh, one or two syllables, kind of grunted mm-hmm. out here and there. I mean, right? Yeah. That seems to be, seems right to me. Yeah, that seems to be what they did for a while, at least before yeah. Uh, Ragnarok. Yeah, 
So uh, basically, now Bruce has been taken hostage by the leader, and uh, you know Rick Jones knows that something's up. This can't be right. And so he talks to Betty about finding a way to break into uh, the Gamma Lab to sort of help Bruce out. Uh, so the leader confronts uh, Bruce, who is basically now incapacitated, like we see here, though he still has abs, as we can see in this illustration. Uh, but Banner figures out that uh, you know Letter was the spy all along. He was the one who set him up, and you know the leader is already looking like his forehead is expanding, and his body is almost transparent in his skin. And just to show how far gone the leader is, he reveals that the humans inside these cyber soldiers uh, are not alive anymore. They're basically brain dead. Uh, and that's okay. how he's able to control all of them, which is pretty dark. Uh, that is but dark. he has brought Banner to the lab because he's discovering that the gamma radiation is, is killing him. The leader is dying due to the gamma radiation. It's making him smarter, but it's also destroying him. So he wants to find what is it that is about Banner that the Gamma doesn't kill him. It just makes him stronger. What is it about you that I can take so that I can survive and I can basically use this knowledge in order to get everything I want? It's because Banner has the heart of a warrior. <laughs> That's not what's said in here, but it's kind of... Well, it it's kind be. of what It's kind of true, though, you know? Uh, so <laughs> He's got Betty, heart. Yeah, he does. Uh, Betty breaks into the base and convinces her father and Talbot that, you know, Bruce is here. Bruce might actually be the Hulk, that type of thing. Uh, and they go to see uh, Letter, who shows them all the stuff he's been experimenting on off screen. Uh, so he has a lot of dead animals. He's got a lot of dead humans. They even have a, quote, decaying, deformed figure, skin blistered around bony-like protrusions, arm reduced to little more than flippers. Uh, and another one that's more creature than man. I'm wondering if they're setting up or Terman was setting up an abomination here, like we see here. Oh, yeah, I, I'm sure he you know, was. It makes sense. You know? By the way, is he still alive? Uh, who? Terman. Uh, yeah, he is. Oh, we got to... Come on the podcast, we man. Gotta, hey, if you're listening, come on, man. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he is. Superhousepodcast so, uh, yeah. at gmail.com. Indeed, yes. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> we can have a chat. Yeah, yeah. Uh... General Ross tries to arrest the leader at this point, but the cyber soldiers intervene and shoot General Ross, but only wound him. Uh, the leader basically demonstrates his control over the entire base by using a recording sample of ge the general's voice and manipulating it so that he's basically telling all the personnel to leave all of them alone. Uh, and his big plan right now is that he's going to detonate another gamma bomb so that he can like gain even more power and survive it. It'll be a bigger bomb this time. Not just a test one in the desert, but one that will kill millions of people within the six, first six weeks of exposure in the process. Uh, so that is his major plan. It makes sense. Even in 1994, we had this whole, like, you got to save the city. You got to save the world. You got to save the state. So that type of thing. So it makes sense that at this point, there's a major, like, bomb thing that they got to stop. Uh, Rick Jones, however, has snuck onto the facility and knocks the leader out so that they can try to uh, let the monster out, basically have Bruce stop him as the Hulk. Um, they, however, are uh, too late to stop the leader from exposing the base doctor, Doc Samson, to a lot of the gamma radiation. So Doc Samson has been exposed. More on that later. But uh, Banner is determined to stop the leader and uh, brings up that for years he was afraid of his own power, but now he's too angry 
and now he has the power to change the world. So he turns into the Hulk. Uh, oh, look, it says here in the comic panel from Dan, I control the change. That's cool. So, so this is this cool. does have pretty good precedent, yeah. I guess. Yeah. All right. So this is pretty cool. Uh, so he turns into the Hulk and tells basically tells the leader to leave Betty alone. Uh, the leader sends the cyber soldiers to fight the Hulk as he tries to set off the gamma bomb. Uh, meanwhile, uh, leader, basically the leader cannot put up a fight whatsoever. He gets knocked off by, knocked out by Nick Rick Jones. He gets his nose broken at one point by Betty. This just shows that he's just not a physical villain at all. He's just mainly, uh, the brains of this. So Hulk is fighting the cyber soldiers and we then get revealed that, uh, Doc Samson was exposed to the gamma radiation, but He's okay because he's now six inches taller, square-jawed, and his hair is turned green like in the comics. So this would have also been the origin of Doc Samson from the wow. comics, who is basically Bruce's uh, therapist, who's also kind of his own superhero type. <laughs> I didn't know there's a therapist superhero. It's <laughs> incredible. Yes. Yeah. He's, his hair is green. Wow. Uh, they, they set him up. I was telling the, the listeners earlier, uh, they set him up in the 2008 Incredible Hulk movie because he was uh, Betty's boyfriend at that time uh, and stuff, but they didn't really do anything with him. The, he was kind of in there to maybe set him up for stuff, but he doesn't look like this. Who could uh, play Who could play this guy now? I don't know. It was, it was Ty Burrell from Modern Family in the 2008 movie, but I don't know if they're going to put him in a green wig if they ever bring him back. So Right. They need a muscled guy. They don't necessarily have to have the wig, you know? Um, right. I don't know. Uh, He's got to be intellectual, too. You know, he can't just be right. muscle. Henry Cavill's got to be Captain Britain, <laughs> so... Uh, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll come back to that. You know what? Dolph Lundgren could have been a good choice years ago because man, he's actually he's smart man, in real life. Get my man Dolph yeah. in there. I've... I'm not bra- I'm not breaking into yay, I think, on this one. I've met Dolph Lundgren and he's mm. cool, dude. Yeah. He's actually a cool dude, man. So <laughs> yeah, that's all I'll say about that. He would have been the Punisher and the King in or I forget what his position was. He's some sort of king in Aquaman. I forgot the character name. King Nereus uh, indeed. Nereus, yeah. Yeah. He's a, and, a badass, uh, yeah. Doc Samson. So uh I guess that would be my choice in ninety four. That would have been interesting. That's um, awesome. Yeah, I bring him in now. And also, I bring in Jean-Claude Van Damme as a villain in the ooh. MCU. And I need my man Stifler, Sean William Scott, and Ant-Man. That's all I'm saying. I need I need these people in the MCU, please. Thank you. I'm trying to figure out who. Let us know who you think these guys could play in the MCU. Especially like Jean-Claude Van Damme, man. Come on, That's a dude. big one. Yeah, like that's a big one. Give the man. He's still trying to make movies, dude. Come on, dude. He doesn't have any like crazy scandals, right? He's not like canceled like Seagal and his dumb ass. Yeah, revitalize his career like with <laughs> RDJ, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. You can easily see him in like a Guardians movie as like some cool fighting that's a, alien. That's the thing. thing. Stallone has already had a cameo. Get, get yeah. Van Damme in there. Ooh. And then you get both of them at the same time. You get some <laughs> expendables in the Guardians of the Galaxy verse type of thing. You know, but if they're both like cool characters who cares yeah exactly uh just throw in lundgren as multiverse punisher from 89 <laughs> so. that's all we need dude he's still yeah. big he's still a big boy yeah yeah no it would work uh but anyway they got to stop this bomb uh and stuff we got doc samson helping out but only so much uh and betty ends up reaching to the human side of hulk to help 
turn him back into Bruce Banner and appeal to him. And so uh, <clears throat> it needs Bruce's intelligence in order to stop this bomb. We, we can't smash our way into stopping this bomb, basically. So I like that. So we have yeah. both sides going on here. That's yeah, cool. he needs to be the Hulk in order to defend and protect those he loves, but he needs Bruce's intelligence in order to protect the world. Uh, for this so damn Terman, you're killing it dude this yeah i know right this is this is solid man like this, this is, is one, one i'm just like if this was made instead of the 2003 one even though like i do remember liking the 2003 one but i think this is a lot more along the lines of what people wanted when they paid for that ticket in 2003 for that movie they wanted a lot of hulk action plus you know character development stuff not just yeah, I mean, that movie is also like 20 minutes on Bruce's backstory with his abusive father and the murder of his mother, which is important, but it's not necessarily what people signed up for back then. Here, it's right, it's right down to just like, you want to see Hulk smash? You're going to see Hulk smash, but you're also going to get some other stuff in here. So it's, yeah. it's great. Uh, the leader, of course, is intelligent. Uh, he's got a million different contingencies to prevent the bomb from being diffused. So Banner decides to go for the one contingency he did not think of, which is to sacrifice himself and manually take out the core, even if it means exposing himself to the lethal radiation that he might not come back from. So he does go in. Uh, he does take it out as Banner uh, because he needs the intelligence. He can't smash it. But uh, the exposure does become too much for him. And here's where we get to a very interesting ending. Uh, so Betty finds Bruce is basically dying from the radiation. Uh, and he says goodbye to her. And at the last minute, he transforms into the Hulk for what seems like permanently. Again, there was this whole sort of subplot in the script about how, like, it's Hulk versus Bruce Banner. And he's got to decide which side, you know, which side is going to win out. And it seems like at the end of this... He's permanently the Hulk, and the Hulk walks out of the facility, much to the dismay of, uh, you know, Betty Ross, as Rick Jones follows him, and that's the end of the script. Uh, I think that's a cool, ambiguous ending. Actually. It is cool. Yeah. Yeah. It is cool. It's not at all what I expected, because you know, I guess you kind of expect it to be sort of the the Edward Norton one, where it's just like, oh, he finds a way to like control it, or it's like the right. Banner one, where he's just like. He just disappears and he's just on the run, just like in the TV show. But they had a really interesting way of ending this. I, I'm not sure how I felt about it because it just feels like I literally got to the last page being just like, okay, what's going to happen? Because it looks like Banner's dying and I've only got like a few more paragraphs to go. And then, <laughs> it was a weird experience towards the end because I'm just like, where is this going to, how is this going to end? And then it's just Hulk walking out. I'm like, huh, that's really interesting. I mean, so. I think there's something to be said about the Hulk for being like a destructive force for everything else around him a lot of the time before he gains control of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also saves Banner, right, in a lot of ways. Sa- yeah. Like I, I assume setting up as a cool cliffhanger for a sequel and then the sequel will explore like, so we had Hulk, we had Banner turn into the Hulk. Now we need to see Hulk turn into Banner again. Yeah, and we'll probably spend a lot of the movie with him as Hulk if they were to make this yeah. ever. <laughs> they gotta make the first one first, but <laughs> right. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think like, and we'll learn that like Hulk saves Banner. Mm-hmm. Banner would have definitely died otherwise, right? So this might yeah. might it's almost like Hulk is like his uh, immune system, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's he's saving him yeah no i i thought that was 
it's an interesting thing in terms of like where would this go and i i really like what you said about how like maybe the next one it's about hulk turning into banner more so than banner turning into hulk you know and i think that's that would be a really cool like two-parter obviously trilogies are even more uh you know what we prefer but uh you know one where it's kind of like an inverse of the previous one could have been really awesome so yeah this is what we got for the John Terman Hulk. I personally liked it better than the Hensley one that you can definitely see more of the comics in this. There's just It has more of the characters. It has villains from, or a villain from the comics in this one as opposed to sort of the random bug people from the uh, Hensley one from last year. So Yeah, the random bug stuff. Maybe that was mandate from the studio or maybe, something. Yeah. Maybe they didn't have much control over it. He needs a monster it. to fight. Yeah, yeah. It's better, and they give him a dog or two. <laughs> but like, you know, this... And look, no offense to anybody else. I've never written a I've never written a fucking spec script for anybody. Like I'm fucking a jackass on the internet. But it just feels like <laughs> this this is just more like you could tell this is probably Terman really loved this stuff a, yeah. a, at least a little bit more than the other people that wrote the scripts or the yeah. scripts. So Yeah, no, I mean it is it's a shame they didn't go with this one because it does feel like this is what this is what people would have wanted to see. And it would have been a very, like very faithful look at the original origin too, with the gamma bomb and stuff. And you got the leader already right out of the bat and potentially abomination set up maybe for the second one, you know? So, uh, also like leader still alive at the end of it. So like he could carry on into the next one too, especially cause you imagine the necessity of him turning into banner would probably require a very intelligent villain. So I'm sure maybe it's the leader and the abomination for the second one in this. I'd be curious if we ever get Termin on, we can ask him if he had like sequel ideas off of this. Brain and brawn, dude. Yeah. yeah. Leader and abomination. That's awesome. Yeah. So that'd be awesome. And with that, that is superhero stuff. You should know. All right. Big thanks to our research assistant, Dan, for going above and beyond on this one and illustrating some of the uh, visuals that we have on there. And uh, please wish Dan a happy uh, anniversary working with superhero stuff you should know in the comments. Uh, over to the fan comments, we have uh, more comments on the She-Hulk episode uh, from Slashman.exe. In a way, She-Hulk was always born to be a TV show, though I think it should have been a real actress playing the title role instead of a CGI character. You'd need a major movie budget to sell that. In my opinion, it might have worked better if they did a Chris Evans where a body double had a deep, deep faked face for Jen. Now that's interesting. The reverse. That's an interesting yeah. take there. So deep yeah. fake, but practical makeup. Yeah, practical makeup on like a like. Remember we were going over like Corey Everson, uh, Gabrielle Reese, like a very athletic yeah, bodybuilder yeah. type woman. Yeah. In it. Like if you, or even Bridget Nielsen, right? Obviously, like if it was like Bridget Nielsen painted green as She-Hulk, and then when she's Jen, it's a deep fake of Bridget Nielsen's vo uh, face on a much like smaller woman as Jen. Okay. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's yes. a very interesting take. Slash man. Um, yeah. I hadn't thought about that before until I read this. I'm like, you know, that's very clever. Uh, I think part of it though for MCU specifically, is that Hulk's already CG, so it's a little weird. That's what I, that's yeah. what I was thinking, man. I yeah. Was like, yeah, you can't have, just for consistency's sake, you know, you need them to both be CG at this point. Yeah. No, totally. 
So like it, maybe if it was separate from the MCU or if we're going back to the uh, to like the Corey Everson TV show with Oliver Stone, like that type of stuff. So, uh, but yeah, still cool idea. The CG is not the problem. It's just it's, it needs a villain. <laughs> it needs a villain. Yeah. Slate Rebellion off Madison uh, also commented, fantastic work, gentlemen. I really dug your insights into the She-Hulk TV show. Well thought out with your criticisms. Thank uh, you. If I had to pitch or fan cast a She-Hulk film, I would have filmed it in the 90s with the bird run and fourth wall breaking as my guide. I would have cast Sigourney Weaver as She-Hulk for a number of reasons. Great actress, tall, 5'11", so no lifts needed. Uh, can be funny, see Galaxy Quest, and is no stranger to genre fare. Ghostbusters, Alien, etc. Yeah, I mean, this is this is like star power right here for this. Uh, I'm not sure if I'd even include Jen Walters in the film. I'd just have Weaver in green makeup for two hours as a gamma-radiated attorney at law and go from there. I could see it as my cousin Vinny with superheroes. This is in the air lately. Uh, we talked about this in our monthly meetup, yeah. but yeah... yeah. Uh, Maybe I had this in my mind subconsciously because I read this comment for sure. And then we did the monthly meetup, but I wasn't thinking about this comment when I talked about it, but that's a $10 tier by the way on our Patreon. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, that'd be cool that, I mean, I'd like to see your as Jen as well. Also though, you know what I mean? But if she's like mostly she Hulk, that's cool too. And yeah, I mean, we we joked about it being like a John Grissom, <laughs> yeah thing. In our ten dollar tier, yeah. Maybe my, my cousin Vinny or something, but like lawyers in the South, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, something about that could maybe work. I know she's like in L.A. in the show, but yeah, you know, and like, in the comics, the, but still, like in the eighties, yeah. nineties, like the John Grissom shit was like if you had courtroom drama, that was it, right, for a long time. And my cousin Vinny's a classic, so mm-hmm. like. That's just that's in people's minds. So I don't know. If you need comedy too, cool. you got to go. My cousin Vinny, I suppose. But it would have been cool. And then also just being able to see her, how it works with She Hulk as a lawyer in court, because we've only really seen that like once in the entire show, and we are seven episodes in as of this recording. So you and your rules, man. <laughs> <laughs> We need a villain, and we need to see. I'm sorry, but if you're if you're a lawyer, we kind of need you to see you do lawyer stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, in the last episode, she gets a la- the the last one as of the court recording of this episode. In the last episode of She Hulk, she gets like some award for like best lawyer. I'm like for what? While, she, while she's out getting therapy on a fucking side quest. <laughs> like, all right, sure, man, yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's tell, don't show. That's what it is. All right. We got a major, major uh, fan comment that I wanted to highlight from Randall Flagg. This was a. Are you sure this isn't Halsey? (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's. Okay, it's Randall. He talks differently. So, Randall Flagg. Nice name. Uh, This is something interesting about the Batman Returns two Red Triangle Circus uh, gang goons. That's a mouthful that Batman specifically targets. And those reasons have not made it to the final cut of the movie. So this is from our uh, Batman, Batman who don't kill uh, episode. We talked about how Keaton does kill for sure. Obviously, I think even Keaton fans have to agree with that. Uh, But we talked about how like the main two who he kills in Batman Returns are the tattooed strongman and the fire breather. So, Randall brings up both the Tattooed Strongman and the Fire Breather goons did something particularly heinous or personal toward Batman, either in the script or in deleted slash not completed scenes. 
I'm going to copy-paste stuff straight from the Batman fandom wiki for convenience, uh, but I can verify that most of the stuff is true. So, in the script, the Circus Strongman was supposed to use a Batman merchandise sled to assault innocents. Aside from the fact that Strongman was using a Batman sled to attack people, Batman also saw him chasing Alfred and a young girl with it in hand before being knocked out by a bat disc from the Batmobile. That is in the script. Uh, he does attack with a sled in the movie, but it does not have, like, it's not the Batman sled that we saw the concept art for, but uh, that does happen in the movie. Uh, but they did take away the personal part. Uh, yeah, the sled prop was actually built, as was the Batman-themed gift shop the Fire Breather was to destroy, but shortly before shooting, they were changed to an ordinary gift shop and sled. In the final film, these two thugs appeared to be singled out for unusual brutality from Batman for no particular reason, leaving some audiences confused. The Daniel Waters script had a heavy sub-theme of Gotham's reaction to Batman as a symbol and icon that could be worshipped, exploited, and defamed. Batman was particularly angered by a separate gang that dressed as Batman also dropped from the shooting script. Yep. We covered that with uh, Daniel Waters himself, who was ended up raving about <laughs> some of the ideas that we reminded him about. Oh, yeah. He uh, was like, oh, yeah, I am smart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a genius. I forgot about that. <laughs> William Shakespeare yeah. and Daniel Waters. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, yes. Uh, the Fire Breather was played by circus performer John Strong, who also played Sword Swallower in the Red Triangle Gang. That's a good tidbit, by the way. Uh, two different members of the gang played by the same uh, circus performer. Uh, originally, the gift shop he vandalized was going to be a Batman-themed gift shop using real-world Kenner merchandise from the first film. We, of course, saw that. Uh, the set was actually built and filled to the brim with merchandise before it was redressed prior to shooting. Uh, among other things, Burton was forced to remove a sweeping master shot of a gang member setting citizens on fire to get a PG-13 rating. Oh, well, man. Uh, yeah, like, I don't remember this in the script, so maybe this was made up in that wiki. Uh, it says, while some of the jugglers setting people ablaze remain, this was most likely the fire breather who is not shown attacking any innocents in the final cut. Warner Brothers has not released any deleted footage from the sequence other than Selena's electroshock shock therapy line. Uh, I'm back. Sorry, I didn't. I usually don't like using wiki stuff as proof. Neither do I. But those are good summaries of why Batman specifically didn't hold back while fighting those two goons. My ideal Batman doesn't kill. But growing up with the Burton movies, I've learned to let that slide. Thanks for the video, as always. Love your stuff. You guys are always very well-informed, and the format is easy to listen to. <laughs> I'm not playing favorites here. You guys' chemistry is what makes this podcast so fun. But I swear, Ben is my spirit nerd soulmate. All right, you well. can play favorites. It's fine. Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, every time I'm about to go full, actually, he takes me by surprise and delivers the goods before I can even comment. And I've noticed that trend since the first time I've watched a video from you guys. Keep up the good work, Randall Flag, from Woo. the stand. Thank you, Randall, for that uh, and great insight too. Uh, I hadn't really thought about the uh, potential personal reasons why Batman would have gone up against those two in that, but I thought I would, I would honor that. So uh, thank you for that. Over to nice. the fan shoutouts. Oh, man, we're already here. I just can't believe it, you guys. It's a shorter Where's... episode. <laughs> Where's my thing? Here we go. All right. So we want to thank uh, everybody up on the board here, of course. But uh, some of our newer people include uh, Darren F., Billy L., Yusuf A., Kevin R., Derek O., and Mark M. Thank you guys for being part of our Patreon. Uh, and then also our other supporters as well. Thank you guys so much. And then uh, if you want to be up on the board, uh, we, the shout-out tier is our $1 tier. Go to patreon.com slash superherostuffpod. And then... Uh, the $5 tier is a whole other show every Friday. This show's every Monday. 
And then our $10 tier is a monthly meetup show, uh, which uh, you can join, join us in like a Zoom like call. And we kind of just shoot the shit with each other, but also have a topic at hand. A lot of times it's like recent news and stuff like that. But uh, sometimes it's uh, more than that as well. Another, another kind of topic. Uh, superhero related of course uh but anyway our merch uh it's it's still there uh in some form or fashion superhousepod.rebel.com <laughs> superhero stuff pod.threadless.com ben man and deed wizard zacula well not ben man on one of them <laughs> zacula we got taken off on uh red bubble i might be mistaken but yeah. okay so threadless I look is still too much like batman yeah, I can't believe that. I don't, I don't understand that. Anyway, um, <laughs> you have a mic in your hand. Batman doesn't have mics. So, uh, yes. seven, that and artwork no is by... Exactly. That artwork is by Stefan Santa Cruz. Uh, please send us uh, audio to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. Or if you are... Turn, what's his name? Termer? Turner? Turman. Bad. John Turman. Term, yeah. John Turman. Sorry, man. I'm sorry, but if you're John Turbin, <laughs> please send us an email to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. And uh, I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Thunderwolf lives on YouTube. Thunderwolfdrew.com has my whole portfolio in one place except for amanorecon.com. A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N.com. Uh, we're in two film festivals right now, which is awesome. It's, Congrats. It's, uh, thank you. Uh this uh, this poster, by the way, by the way, is uh, done by Zachary Jackson Brown Art uh, But yeah, it's R-rated Power Rangers meet Stranger Things. Original idea. We're ramping up into an Indiegogo campaign, uh, and also I have a gaming podcast, Gaming Gaiden, and that's coming soon. We're done recording all of the Patreon shit for it, and uh, we're in the, we're in final QC. So uh, it's 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 coming. So anyway, that's it, Ben. Let's see. For us, uh, shout out to Comic Capital, Comic Capital, sorry, on Instagram as well as the Everything Entertainment Club on Clubhouse. You can follow our social media on Twitter at Superhouse Pod, Instagram Superhero Stuff Pod, TikTok Superhero Stuff Pod, Vero Superhero Stuff Pod. My website is BenWanRider.com, where you can read a whole bunch of scripts. Uh, Gotham Vampire, where young Bruce faces off against the Mad Monk. Elementary, The Death of Sherlock Holmes, a modern update on the adventure of the dying detective, and Curb Your Enthusiasm, Disneyland, the Curb episode they could never make, where Larry goes to Disneyland. Uh, my YouTube channel is in the description below, where you can also check out my project, Doctor Who, The Ronin of Time, an audio drama in which the eighth doctor meets Miyamoto Musashi. Uh, thumbnail also by Dan, who basically does a lot of, basically all our visuals and stuff. So uh, thanks, Dan, for that. Uh, my personal Instagram is Ben Juan Ryder. My cat's Instagram, my son is Alfie Pennyworth Cat. And if you have an Alfie yourself, uh, then you can get the Whisker Box, the only cat box for the crazy cat lady and gent. We have a promo link for that where you can probably get some free shit. I don't know what specifically. I really need to look again at the perks we might have for that. Uh, but I know for Bark Box, if you have a dog, you can get the Bark Box. And that one is $35 off uh, the first month free, valued at $35, I should say. Uh, and that is a promo link that you can get at superherostuffpod.com slash shop. I've updated this visual, by the way. The only Flash thing you see is the Flash Celebration of 75 Years comic book. Woo. So uh, that's been updated. We don't have Hulk stuff, sorry. but uh, Maybe we we'll, should. That's got to be Hulk we'll Funkos and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of Hulk merchandise out there. So we can start adding more, especially as we get further and further into uh, Marvel territory and stuff. But... 
Uh, that's what we got. We have uh, all sorts of other shit in here. We've got <laughs> The Boy Who Loved Batman by Michael Uslin, one of our special guests. Uh, the Batman book, which is huge, uh, by Andrew Farrago and Gina McIntyre that has a ton of the concept art that we've gone over. You can get any of that. Or if you're tired of Batman, you can get some of this other stuff, including a Wonder Woman uh, cup, uh, an Atlantis comic book, Superman versus the Elite, a Cyborg Funko, any of this stuff over at SuperheroStuffPod.com slash shop. And I think that's it. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't like us when we're angry. Uh, so <laughs> That's Hulk our secret. <laughs> Hulk out with love. Ha, 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 ha.